So if you're enjoying, appreciating, benefiting from this series of short talks by Padma Vajra on the life and liberation of Padma Sambhava, him channeling these lightning flashes from the blue beyond, then please do consider making a donation to Padmaloka. We're still in uh, uncertain financial times. This year we lost our main source of income, uh, our retreat income, and even though people are starting to return to Padmaloka now, uh, our costs have considerably gone up. Uh, given the various measures that we have to put in place. So although we've benefited enormously from people's generosity uh, throughout the year, we really need to keep that stream of generosity flowing. So do please consider giving what you can. You can do that by following the link that's attached to this video or beneath in our YouTube channel or visiting our website and making a one-off donation or taking out a monthly standing order. Thank you. to the southwest of the diamond throne. There extends for five leagues and more 
the cemetery of Chili Grove, a grove filled with decay, also called the reed bed. Located in an area measuring one and a half leagues around, it is like a land of precious jewels, level like the palm of the hand, lofty and without hollows. In the middle, where it fell from the hands of the gods, is the stupa, structure which gives happiness, a stupa on the outside, but within, a celestial palace made of all sorts of rare substances. The door is copper leafed with gold, and the palace supports the disc, the parasol and the chalice. It has bells well arranged which sound various notes and has four statues of the master for each side. In the northwest of the cemetery is the statue of the great god of the world and Basala, the tree of desires, inhabited by the innumerable multitude of the birds of the tombs. The god of the world, Nandikeshvara, rides a black lion, holds a black trident and wears a flowing robe of red poppies. And with their following of inescapable executors, numbering 10 million, the spirits of the eight classes are assembled. There are to be seen countless darkenies here. Padmasambhava, having come to this place, took for a seat a heap of both recent and older corpses. Trembling with fear, the living beings who dwelt in the cemetery came forward to offer him fruits of rare beauty, while the Darkanese bowed down to him again and again. Now, leaning against the central stupa, for five years, by means of the nine excellent vehicles, he taught the Dharma to the crowd of the Darkanese. This is the beginning of Canto 22 of the Life and Liberation of Padmasambhava, the Testament of Padma, the Padma Kaitan. And it's the beginning of Guru Padmasambhava's time in the eight great cremation grounds of India. Here, in the cremation ground, we do not see the beautiful boy or youth, the colour of the purple of seashells, the exquisite prince. Here we see a youth scantily clad, wearing probably animal skins and the rags of the dead, with long unkept dreadlocks, bone ornaments and a begging bowl made of a skull, a trident staff with strange cemetery adornment. His skin is dark, he is fierce and delighted, seated in the midst of the craziness of the realm of the dead in a wilderness place beyond the last village. Consorting with the dead, with the ghosts and ghouls, the gods and goddesses where the dead are, the cremation ground, Sitavana, Chili Grove, Cool Grove. So how did the beautiful youth come to be here? How did the exquisite image of the beautiful boy in the lotus of the lake, surrounded by the multicoloured waterbirds, come to be here? After being discovered by the king and his ministers, Padmasambhava was adopted by the blind king, Indrabhuti, who had no son. He was taken to the palace and anointed as the future king. And the king was so happy that he, he should have such a boy, 
such a son, a foundling, a son who would inherit the kingdom, the future of the kingdom would be assured. And he gave him everything. He gave him palaces and queens, everything, all luxury, all happiness, all training. But you have to be very careful when you adopt someone who's been born from a lotus flower, someone seemingly that fell from above, fell from heaven into your world of such incandescent beauty and presence. You have to be careful because such a being is not of your world, not of your kind. Though they are so beautiful and so enriching and provide so much meaning, they are themselves without any inhibition, any boundary. They cannot bear boundary and limitation and inhibition of any kind. In the same way, we need to take great care when we wake up to the pure, sparkling, fresh, unbounded awareness. When we wake up to the primordial youth of pure awareness, the Dharma, the Dharma itself, the truth, the beyond, liberation itself. Oh, we love that. Oh, we are so in love with that awareness. And we try, oh, we try to incorporate it into our lives. We try to domesticate it, this untrammeled energy of pure awareness. We try to own it incorporate it into our life. So it makes our life as it is now just a bit better. But if it is the real thing, the pure, vivid, lightning flash of true awareness, sooner or later, the searing beauty of that vivid, luminous awareness will not allow you to do that. It refuses domestication. It refuses any boundaries. It refuses institutionalization. It refuses to conform to your idea of what life is. And it will start to make life very inconvenient for you. It is this quality of awareness, this transcendental awareness, this Padmasambhava, this lotus-born youth. It's like a young horse that cannot be bared to be, to be reined in. It will buck and kick. In the end, it will smash your house down.